Welcome to the TALON project. TALON stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, TALON provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. My name is Lisa Silver, and I am an associate professor at the Faculty of Law. And I teach uh, first year students criminal law, which is a mandatory, we call it a doctrinal course. I teach evidence to second year students, that's also a mandatory course. And I am course director for the trial advocacy course where all three L's, which is the last year of law school, all third year students participate in. Not changed in the way that I've approached my teaching, but just in terms of my own feelings, you know, because at the beginning it was, it was such a, I know they like to use the word pivot, not sure if I like that word that much, but I guess that's the way to describe it, but it just happened so fast, right? It was one day, I, I literally, I remember March 13th, I was supposed to have a special guest in my criminal law class. And uh, the night before she emailed me and she said, what, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. And then it came out, classes canceled. Mm -hmm. And so that, and then I had to teach the next that was a Friday and I had to teach you know the next week so that that feeling as an instructor where it's out of your control because you know at least definitely for lawyers we like to have control over our file over our information Pre preparation is, mm -hmm. is huge for lawyers that's one of the the, uh, the important characteristics of, of a successful lawyer. So to not have that control in March was a bit, was a bit scary. Mm -hmm. And then as we went along, knowing that the fall was going to be online, I think then I, I felt, okay, well, I'm gonna really get down to business and, and learn as much as I can about how an effective course, you know, what, what can you do? What, what's best practices? Uh, and uh, I mean, in some ways, best practices were actually what I ended up just doing by the seat of my pants in March, which is I flipped my class. Um, I did narrated PowerPoints and then I just spent the time in class doing review of the concepts and also doing problem solving because a lot of law and particularly law school exams are about having a big fact pattern, a big, a big problem. I think sometimes they call them wicked problems, you know, a real, you know, wow, like everything that could happen to one person happens. And then the student has to be able to pull out of that fact situation, what the issues are, and then make an argument. And then it has to be supported uh, with, with legal principle. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing at the core the same thing this term, but I, I got there not by the seat of my pants, but by, you know, by ensuring best practices. I did a lot. I actually did a lot of, um, of teaching, teaching institute. They offered 
workshops, you know, they offered presentations. I went to them. I even went to a, they also had mentioned a, um, uh, an, a, a North American teaching uh, conference and that was out of Arizona. And I went to some of those. So, you know, I did, I did, I did my due diligence, right? I did, you know, just to, are there any, is there anything cool that I can get out of this? Is there any, some innovations? Am I doing it the right way? Does someone have a better idea? And that was helpful. Um, so, so I did, I did spend time doing that. And one of the things that I took to heart was looking at my syllabus in a different way. Mm -hmm. So the way that I always did a syllabus was, here's the readings. This is what we're going to do. Here's the topics. And then under each day, here's the readings. And then the way that I would use D2L was that every class, I would post a PowerPoint. And maybe some extra stuff, but typically that was it. What I decided was to completely rethink my my syllabus and my course because the syllabus wasn't the home anymore d2l had to be the class right? right that had to be the primary platform for what i was going to do and that wasn't easy you know it was it's you know uh, to embrace that as your classroom environment means that you really do have to put a lot of time into structure um you know i ended up uh, simplifying a lot of my concepts. I So this is, Martina, you're going to laugh. <laughs> so as an instructor, you fall in love with your syllabus. You okay. do. Because you made it. Yeah. And you think every single one of those readings is so important, right? Everything is so important on, on there. And if a student asked you, you know, which, which, which one's more important that you'd like, they're all important. They're all gonna, you're gonna be examined on all of that because it's all important. But what it made me do was let go <laughs> of some of the small stuff. You know, the fact is, uh, I mean, I come to this as I teach first year criminal law. So this is the syllabus that, I'm, that I re redid. And these are all new students. Um, they, they don't have a background. And I've practiced in criminal law for over 30 years. So you can imagine that I'm just like, that case is amazing. I love that case, you must read it. But what I did instead was say, was I ended up and I never do this either, even though they tell you in all these courses and Fabian and I took, took a couple of courses together, but they tell you not only should you do course objectives, but lesson objectives, you know, each class should, and I'm like, yeah, okay, right. That's a good idea, but it's all in here, right? <laughs> but I actually did objectives for each of my topics and that helped me cut out. Right. So once I said to myself, what do I really need these students to know? And what, what, is, what is reasonable considering they're first year students and considering we're online, considering the whole thing's new for them, they're gonna be freaking out because, you know, like, right, just all of that. And they're gonna to have to do multiple courses like this. So um, I, I had, and I said to myself, I'm only gonna write four objectives, maybe five, but really four objectives for each 
for each class or each topic area, and that's it. And I'm going to stick to it. And if this case isn't doing some, is not, you know, is doing something other than, than what I want, then I can cut it. And so I did. I ended up trimming the course. The other issue I had, Martina, was that our usually our third year course, our, our, our first year students, they all take the same course, like it's a mandatory curriculum. And um, it, they get separated into three different classes, about 43 students in each class. Okay. This year though, we lost, so during COVID, one of our criminal law professors said, yeah, I'm going back to Victoria. Okay, so he left. And so that meant that my colleague and I have to each, we are teaching now 67 students. Oh, on wow. I know. That's a big There's a big, big difference jump. between 40 and 67. So uh, the trimming really helped because what I ended up doing was I ended up narrating all my uh, PowerPoints um, for all the information that I, that I ended up trimming. But so going back, sorry, I ended up um, looking at my syllabus and deciding that really what I was teaching were modules. So I put topics into four modules for the fall, four for the winter, because I've got full year, this is a full year course. And I've got subtopics under each module. And then each module I do readings. I do, uh, so activity one readings, activity two uh, power cast, or, and I also turn my, my narrated PowerPoints, I call them power casts. I turn them into podcasts as an alternative if the students just wanna listen and not see. And then activity three would be the Zoom class. And what I did is I divided my class into two groups because the Zoom class is for quick review and problem solving. And so I decided I'm gonna split my class and I'm gonna repeat basically the quick review and the problem solving for both groups. And that, because the problem solving, they're in breakout groups. Right. And for me to be able to go to each group, I couldn't do if there were 67 students. So yeah, yeah, I really tried hard and I built a D2L uh, platform that was user-friendly. And so all they have to do is go to each, each, uh, each module, each subtopic uh, or unit is what I call them, each unit under each module. And they know what to do for each one of them and then they know what they need to, to do before they come to class. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you've, yeah, you've really used the opportunity to streamline your content and, and yep. distill everything down. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah, thank you. You've painted a really good picture of what your teaching looks like at the moment. Yep. Um, and you've kind of touched on some opportunities and challenges already, but maybe you can yeah. Um, focus in on on those opportunities and challenges that yeah. are experienced. Well, yeah. So I mean, the opportunity was to rethink a course that I've taught for six plus years, right? And you really don't 
I mean, you always, you do some tweaking, you know, I always do tweaking. I do after each, every, every time I teach, but you don't do the big think, the big rethink. Uh, and so I think the opportunity was to rethink this course. What am I really doing? Why am I doing it? And those learning, those lesson objectives have been really, were really helpful for me because it made me understand why I was teaching these particular uh, cases and what I expected from the students. And I feel like that's really gonna help me when the midterm comes because it's, it's they're gonna have to analyze the fact situation. I'm really gonna know what I'm looking for. So I think it gave me an opportunity to, uh, to do things better. Uh, Cause I think there's always an opportunity to do things better. So, um, you know, especially if teaching and learning matters, you know, I think it's, it's important to, you know, it, 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 it made me open myself up rather than say, no, I'm perfect. It's a perfect course. There's no way I'd ever change it, right? So it was good. The challenge is to really, one thing that we do pride ourselves in at the law faculty, because it isn't large, is community. Mm -hmm. And community matters, and it matters to me. Um, I, I always have an open door. I, I encourage students to come see me. I, you know, students that graduate stay in touch with me. I have, I have a relationship. And so it's difficult to create that kind of community online. And I know that, that the fact that I, the D2L and, you know, some of the students have said, oh, it shows you really care. I mean, I think that helps. But I feel, I feel a little sad that, that there, it's not going to be the same as much as, as I try. Um, I stay back after the class uh, for students to ask questions, but also just to hang out. And so in my group A, I actually already have two or three students that just like to hang out. They just want to talk. And I, I, that's awesome. I love it. My group B, I have nobody, <laughs> which I think is funny, but you know, so, right? And so it's, uh, it, it's hard if you are someone who, who likes the interaction with the students, it is difficult. And of course, lecturing to, it, it's not the same. It, it, just, it just isn't, not that I'm lecturing, but just talking. Mm -hmm. We're not having the same two-way discussion. There's always a time lag, you know, students have to use that electronic hand and that, you know, there's, there's those, it's amazing how when you're in person, face-to-face -face, talking to someone, there's a flow that's missing online. Mm -hmm. Those little that's, cues are gone. Yeah. yeah. So that's a challenge. And to be honest, I think I'll see other challenges after the midterm. I think the midterm, which is a low stakes uh, exam, by the way, mm. um, I think the midterm will, I'll be able to see judge based on past performance of, of students, um, whether or not this format is really working for these students to learn what they need to learn. I'm, I am a little worried about that. 
Mm -hmm. um, if they were upper year students, I wouldn't worry as much because they have the skills already of how a lawyer thinks and how to analyze. But I figure the other opportunity, Martina, is this gives you an opportunity. Just try. Just do it. For Just sure. try. See what yeah. happens. Um, so I, I'm curious um, in this great exper experiment of uh, testing and, and midterms and those kind of things, have yeah. you, um, I guess, altered your approach to creating that test at all? Yeah, well, um, so the difficulty is that law traditionally, believe law traditionally are 100% exams. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the traditional. And, and we've tried to move away from that approach for sure. But the difficulty is, this is what happens. So one year, so I also, I actually teach one uh, first year students met this mandatory criminal law course. I teach second year students evidence. It's also a mandatory course. And then I, I do a, I direct a, and I, an advocacy course. That's a three week law course in January. And it's mandatory for all three L's, all third year. So by the end of a student's life in law school, I would have taught them. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I've tried different things for different courses. So one year in evidence, I tried to do more small assignments so that the exam would be weighted less and, you know, try to try to do. But what I get is, well, you have to, we have to, the associate dean says, well, we have to be worried about what else the students are doing. And so if too many courses are doing other kinds of assessment, then the students have too much to do during the course, during the term. So anyway, so it's, a, it's not just me. I can't just say, oh, I'd like to give the students three book reviews. And you know, the associate dean says, well, there's too much for them to do because mm -hmm. readings like I, I, they have to read for my course, I would say at least 20 to 25 pages a week. And so times five, right? Yeah, yeah. So- The fine balance, I guess. Yeah, so what I've tried to do though, is do non-self-assessment. So some of my modules, some of my units under some of my modules in this course are D2L only. So okay. they're just activities online and they are back, more background just to make them comfortable with concepts. And I've done some quizzes, self-assessment quizzes. They're not, they're not uh, marked or graded. So uh, I've done that. And I've been using similar um, technique on the Zoom class with some very easy polls. So as soon as the students get on to the Zoom class, they have like four or five questions that is just very big picture, just to make sure they understand these very basic concepts before we launch into more of the specifics. So trying to rethink um, non-grading non assessments. So more formative, uh, less summative, and uh, trying to do it that way and see if, if that's successful. Mm -hmm. 
And so in your journeys headed through this term, uh, what's your most used software or tool? Uh, well, obviously I'm using D2L yeah. and Zoom the most. Um, I had, I did use, and I do like to use it, but uh, I feel like you gotta be careful not to overuse it, is I use, I have used Jamboard, so Google Jamboard, okay. uh, which I love actually. Um, and I used that in the first class and it was, it was really good. It was, you know, and then I posted it because it was nice to see, you know, it was a big question, um, you know, about uh, what, what they think crime is and, you know, like big picture. I've used, I used Mentimeter too, to do word clouds because mm -hmm. I think those are cool too. You know, it's what comes to your mind when you think of X and then you can really get a good picture. So I like using those three things. And in Zoom itself, obviously I use breakout rooms. Right. Um, and just as a curious side note, had you used any of these platforms or tools before COVID? <laughs> uh, not Jamboard okay. at all. Yeah. And uh, that's, and I really like it. I've yeah. used, and I used it uh, over the summer, I, t I did, uh, we have a student legal aid or student legal services, and they, they help uh, um, people who can't get legal aid and don't have enough money on simpler, simple, simple uh, criminal offenses. Mm -hmm. And so I did, a, I did a seminar for them on, on evidence. And I did a Jamboard to open it up. And the question was, um, SLA, which is what this, this student legal aid is called, SLA matters because, mm -hmm. and it was, I almost cried. Like it was amazing how people like can share in, in an anonymous way, especially when it's a question that is meaningful for them. And so many said such beautiful things about why it's so important to help people in need. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved it. So I'm a huge fan, but I also know like there's only so much that you can ask people to reflect. Um, I think reflection is important, but I think you can have fatigue from that too. But no, I never used that before. A Mentimeter, I think I, think I used it once in class, um, but uh, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's given me an opportunity to use some fun stuff. Yeah, Fair for enough. sure. Yeah, I love those collaborative tools like Jamboard. Yes. I actually haven't used that one, but it is, um, yeah, like you say, it's really interesting to see how people kind of come out of their shell when they're mm -hmm. in their own home in a comfortable space and, you know, feel yes. safe enough to do that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's anonymous, right? And, and so, you know, they, and what's nice is that it's anonymous. Um, and what I find it's anonymous in a positive way, because sometimes, as we know through social media, anonymous can mean that you can be silly or not as, <laughs> you know, um, or I don't want to say mean, but you know, people can be on social media because there's that barrier, right? Yeah. But this, this, this actually, I think this promotes a healthy uh, class environment. Um, and then what is your favorite resource for teaching online? Um, so obviously we just talked about tools, but if there's any place you look for inspiration or. So, and I have, I have, um, 
I have, uh, you know, doing, so doing the teaching, I look at the teaching institute and um, uh, I, I feel that their resources have been really helpful, really helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've looked at documents, you know, I've done Google, you know, where I found at other universities, some online uh, documents as well, really useful. And just even at our own library, you know, there's, there's really useful books. There's podcasts too. I, I did, I listened to an audio book. So this, this wasn't particularly online, but it was small teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a great, great book called small teaching. I'm just going to turn and see if I've got it. Yeah. Handy here. I've, I've like slowly moving my my office here, <laughs> but anyway, small teaching. And then I saw when we had to go online, I saw the same uh, professor had done small teaching online. So, you know, I mean, there it's, it's, uh, there's lots of good teaching and learning resources and uh, a, lot of sh a lot of resources that are out there that you can either purchase or you can get for free, that you can listen to, that you can read. Um, yeah, and I've attended some of those conferences. I, you know, it's funny that conference that was out, out of Arizona, I thought that our teaching institute had better, had better, um, presentations that were more oh, useful. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was great. I yeah, mean, that's a nice really reflection. Do. Yeah. And, and we use, I've used our tech coaches, right? Yeah. So, you know, we've got tech coaches. And I've used them like uh, to make the podcast because I have an Apple. And so my PowerPoints are, are from an Apple platform and I couldn't figure out how to turn them, how to get the extract the audio. And the tech coach told me and I, I was able to get a media joiner online and you nice. know, it takes like nothing to do. And so, I mean, that's, I've learned how to do that now, which I think is good. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about um, I guess all the learnings that are coming out of it at every level, even those micro tech yeah. things that everyone's learning about for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, following all these developments and changes, um, obviously things are pretty uncertain even for the next few months, yeah. but, um, what would you expect or hope higher education might look like in 10 years? Well, you know, I mean, I do, I do hope that that higher education, um, you know, I do hope that it 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 doesn't go completely off the line. I mean, I I I think that there's there's obviously an important it's important to to have that contact with students um, to have that relationship building. Uh, it's important for, I think, their own mental health, to be honest, um, not, just, not just because you learn better face to face. I think it's just, it's just the way we are. We're tuned to be social people. Um, so I hope, but I do hope that, the, that the, the technology is, you know, it still stays. I mean, there is something to be said about being able to teach an online course. And I know in law, I mean, we just don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see if this now becomes part of what we do offer on a regular basis. 
um, yeah, it will be really interesting. And that could open up possibilities, you know, possibilities of, of in more international teaching. Um, you know, we tend, we tend to, to shut down actually um, come, come April, May as, in terms of teaching. We don't summer teach. Okay. Well, this year our faculty did because of COVID. So almost like a trial to see how an online course would work. And uh, so I wonder if, if we're gonna start offering more uh, courses over the summer, which may mean that students will finish a degree earlier. I mean, we've got three years, but you know, maybe they, so I don't know that, and, but if that happens, Martina, we, we, because we're a profession, we can't do things in a vacuum. So I think the point has to be made that whatever we do reflects on the legal community as well. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, whatever we do, whatever, however we change our, our educational uh, approach needs to be done hand in hand with the, the legal community as well. So I think, you know, we do have to bring in um, the firms, uh, the law society, you know, our, you know, we need to, if we're serious, we need to approach this in a more, everyone likes to use the word holistic, but I'm going to anyway, in a more <laughs> holistic way. Absolutely. Um, are you seeing, I mean, I think probably a lot of people are spending, um, you know, time uh, and effort on just getting through right now. Yes. Um, but are you seeing collaboration with, uh, with the profession as well and, and those kind of reflections? Well, um, so one of the courses that I am doing in the winter Okay, so my winter is going to be mad um, because what, I mean, just to go back and I, I'm not complaining, Martina, <laughs> but uh, because I did, you know, it's something that I offered to do, but um, what our, our associate dean uh, academic did was give all the professors a half course relief so that they could get their, their uh, work online and, and look at their courses you know, put more time into it than they might otherwise. I am not taking course relief uh, because we are down that one professor and there would be no one to teach the evidence course. Right. But um, so, so that's that, but I have to move my advocacy course. So my advocacy course is, is um, trial advocacy and I have 130 students that I break into 12 small groups and they perform. It's an experiential learning course. And I have uh, members of the legal community and of the bench judges who come in to be the small group instructors for each class. And they would do it in person. And, you know, you can imagine they would perform. There'd be feedback, reflection. Well, now I got to do it online. So that's a real challenge, but I have to say, you know, I, and I have, you know, uh, over 40 volunteers from the legal community, actually way more than 40 volunteers. And they've been great. You know, one volunteer, one lawyer said, oh, you know, we are obviously very concerned about online trials and advocacy online. And, 
you know, so I'm going to have her do a little mini lecture on that. Um, I, I want to record some of the demonstrations that usually the, the, the lawyers do uh, live. And I've already had, you know, a lawyer say, great, we'll take care of it. We'll do one of these demos. Don't worry about it. So, you know, I think that, that my course really does is a litmus test for the way the profession perceives what we're doing. And I think they are seeing that there is value in, in our students knowing how to do lawyering online. Mm -hmm. So it's not just they're going to learn to be a lawyer online, but also this concept of lawyering online. And I think, you know, firms are really looking for people who can use this technology, you know, like, you know, do these Zoom meetups and know that they can show, you know, share their documents and, you know, all those things that Zoom can do. Yeah, I guess in a sense, it's... Um especially if you've got that collaboration, you're preparing people, um, yeah, in a whole new way and, and with these extra skills all of a sudden. Yeah. So that's great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, thank you. You've answered all of the main questions that I had down. Is there anything that you wanted to add to our conversation? Uh, I don't think so. Other than I think I mentioned sort of this, this mental health aspect and I think we tend to to let that slide and I think it's important both as as teachers and learners and you know our students I think we really do have to we have to really um, be cognizant of those issues because it is isolating and I you know I feel it too it's uh, you know it's it's, you have to compensate for that somehow. And uh, I think that you have to almost uh, ensure that, that you put your, that you use your social skills as much as you can. Um, and that's important, I think, as, as, a, as a teacher as well. Do you think there are ways to build in little catches within courses and things like that? I mean, it's such an intangible thing, but we're all yeah. experiencing it, right? Well, I'll give you an example. And I, you know, I, I don't know if this, if, if it really is as a result, but like, for instance, I made a point in my um, course outline to put in an EDI statement. So uh, an equity, diversity and inclusivity statement. And as part of that statement, and I thought it was extra important for the online uh, you know, because there is that, you know, you, you can sort of hide behind technology. You can forget that, that you are in a class with a bunch of people and that, you know, that, that, that there, you need to, to be respectful and, um, and inclusive. So uh, I put that in there. And as part of it, I said, you know, the, the online class room is a safe place and if you don't feel safe then come speak to me because you know that that's important I want to be sure that you feel that way and I, I actually already just recently received an email about that and I've never had hmm. those issues before and I feel I feel like um, it was important for me to put that in there and that it because I feel like we have to be 
even more responsive to students' emotional well-being because I think it's easy to, to feel um, isolated in a Zoom classroom and to also to feel, you know, feel, um, feel that things aren't right. You know, mm -hmm. you, you don't get the same, the cues are different, right? So I, I, I think that's important. I, and I'm glad I did that. I did it, I, I, you know, it's important to do it anyway, even if you're not online, but I did it specifically because I thought, I wonder, I wonder if, if, you know, my presence, I feel sometimes as an instructor that my presence maybe makes people act better or in, not better, but you know, I don't know, maybe, but when I, my presence isn't really in person, does it then allow for, for people not feeling as safe? And criminal law, there's a lot of controversial subjects. You know, we talk about people, um, people who, who die from violence. Next term, I talk about sexual assault. So, you know, it's important. It's an important thing to remember. Yeah, I mean, we've lost so many of those social cues. And um, as a result of that, it's obviously more important than ever to open up that space where people can, yeah. can speak freely if they need to say something, get something off their chest and, and just yeah. feel a little safer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. You're welcome. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at talencloud.ca. The Talon Project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.